Click, click, boom. What's going on, Faithfuls? The Nothing But Niners crew is back, and we're here to bring you guys more Midnight Madness. Tonight is episode 18. We already went over what happened on Twitter today during our last show just a couple of hours ago. So the, the formalities are up on the screen. I'm not going to go back and uh, run over them. Let's just go ahead and get started, man. I am 49ers Mike underscore NFL, and my host for tonight is going to be Brian B. How you feeling, bro? Great. It's feeling better every day with this back injury. So, you know, every day that I get better is good. Aloha to the fans. <laughs> All right. I like it. I like it. I like it. So let's go ahead and get started here. We're going to start with a question that uh, was written hours ago, but then it's not up on the screen anymore. So we retyped it and uh, let's do this. All right. You want me to read this one? Yes, sir. All right. So Niner Rick 49 um, asked us, what up, guys? Love these shows. Name the brothers tandem that played for the 49ers in the 80s without looking it up. And uh, let, let me let me go first here. Okay. I was born in 83, guys. This kind, These questions aren't fair to me, especially if I can't look it up. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm telling you now, I don't know. I have no idea who the brothers were. And then brothers was in quotes. So I, I'm assuming he's just talking about two black guys. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what this means. <laughs> I, I have no idea. He didn't give us a position or anything. Brian, do you have any kind of clue as to what he's talking about? Not without looking it up, man. And to be honest, I, I went ahead and, di and did just that. So I'd have an idea of what we were supposed to be talking about. Um, I'm not going to, you know, BS anybody here. So, you know, I, I did find a pair of brothers that were in the 49ers in the 80s. The last name is Fonhorst, Keith and Jim. They're like seven years apart. Um, there's a whole story to that if you go look it up on the internet. Um, but it's interesting. I did not know those guys' names off what the top of my head. Did play? You, What's that? What positions did they play? Um, oh, damn. I'm sorry. I didn't want to put offensive line, I think. And um, you, you I don't piqued remember my what interest. Doing. You piqued my interest. You said there was a whole story behind this. So I was like, oh, I want to know. Like, what the but that's all right. We won't, we won't get into it, I guess. but that's interesting. Right. So now I'm going to you said Frank what what was the word? What was the name? Uh, it's F A H N H O R S T. Keith and Jim. Fonhurst. Fonhurst. Yeah, Horst, okay. Hurst, whatever, yeah. All right. Uh that's interesting. Thanks for the uh that's a that's a nice little interesting tidbit for the 49. Right, that's uh, a great question, you know, just yeah. for history history's sake. Mhm. Mm uh Danny Albright chimes in, a regular here. Thank you, Danny. He says, uh, in 2017, the NFL draft, uh, in 2017, NFL draft, Saints wanted Ruben Foster, the 49ers trade up to get him, and the Saints drafted Ryan Ramchek, 32nd overall. Uh, highest paid right tackle. What do you guys think about that? Um, well, I mean, I, go ahead. I think what the Niners did was fantastic. Uh, there were people who thought Ruben Foster would go in the top 10. People thought that the Niners would take him we had the second overall pick. There were people who were pegging us to take him there had we not traded back. Um, and so the fact that they got someone else and still got him, I thought was fantastic. Uh, and I like the fact that you had to make the Saints change it up and do a little bit something different. Uh, and when I watched Ramchek against the, the 49ers, he's a non-factor. Uh, I've seen Aziz Al-Shayer beat him already off the edge, and that's a, that's a linebacker. That's not even a lineman. So uh, I mean, good for them. I'm happy for his salary. Good for him and his family. But uh, I think the Niners did the right thing. Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, you know, you know, you know what they say. So, um, you know, at the time, taking Ruben at that position is the best thing that we could have done. Um, I don't think that they could have foreseen, you know, 
how Ryan Ramchek would have turned has turned out. Um, so, I mean, when you when you equate those two players together and the potential for them to impact the team, I think that Ruben Foster was the right pick at that time. Um, we had no idea that he was going to have you know the issues you know that he that he had while he was with the team. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people like to look backwards and say, "Oh, you, I told you, you shouldn't have done that." But he was a, an electric player. He brought an energy to the team. Yeah, uh, you could see it from the from the moment he stepped on the field. So I I don't knock the pick. Um, and you know it just didn't work out. That's all. I I can't fault him for that. All right, B, this one's for you. Uh, actually, I'll read this one to you since okay. I'm the beginning of it. I think I, for me it's always weird when I have to read my name to myself. <laughs> I'm curious. So if it starts with your name, I'll read it, and then we'll just switch the alternation. Can you us. can you give me a little bit more volume? All right. How's that? Better? Yeah, you're loud right. now. It says, uh, Brian, a few episodes ago, you said you believe J.J. Stokes is underrated. How so? I've always felt he was a huge bust, high first-round pick, uh, that best that I think you believe at best was a third wide receiver, plus we traded up for J.J. So before you answer this, I just want to put it out there. Again, me being young and dumb. I had no idea that he was a high first-round pick. Uh, I always felt that J.J. Stokes was a capable role player. I remember playing uh, this game on PlayStation, regular PlayStation, called Game Day, and J.J. Stokes was a monster in that game, uh, and that was in the 90s, I believe late 90s. So I, I don't know uh, any much else about him. So what, what do you have on it, Jake? Uh, well, I, I start off with, you know, uh, you can take these shows for what they are, but I mean, we we're doing zero planning and we're getting questions shooting off the hip. So I'm just, you know, answering it. You know, I also didn't realize he was a top 10 pick or that we traded up for him. But when I looked at, you know, thinking about like the numbers that he produced, it seemed like, um, a very, you know, with him and, and, um, rice or him and TO, depending on the timelines, when you look at it, um, he seemed like a capable backup and I, and I felt like he was overshadowed by the players that he played with. And that's kind of where I said, why I said that, but it wasn't just him. I also talked about Garrison Hurst as well. Um, and so, you know, I can't take it all like hundred percent factual. It was just me throwing names out there because we got asked who we thought post, I think it was post Steve young, who was the most underrated player. And, you know, we just have to kind of yeah. roll with the punches of what you guys threw out there. So that's those are the two names I threw out, and that's why I said what uh, you know I threw his name out there because he was kind of in the shadow uh, of two elite receivers on this team. And when you yeah. go and you actually look up statistics, um, you can see that, they, that he was the two. He was the number two on this on the roster during the time that he was here. Um, you know, whether it was behind Jerry at the end or T.O. in the beginning of his career, but he was always the back uh, in the shadows. Yeah. I mean, and you look at it and then you went from them to, I believe, Arnez Battle was a guy that played there. Because uh, I remember the Beasley, Hurst, Stokes, Battle. Uh, I mean, I just, you know, I, I don't know what else you, you want from that time frame. So, but it is hard. Again, it's kind of like what we were talking about with John Taylor. You know, it's you're in really, really big shadows there. So, yeah, no, I, I get it. But I had no idea he was uh, drafted the way he was. And that does change your opinion on bust or uh, underrated, because if you if I think if either of us had known he was picked the way he was, then we wouldn't have called him underrated right. because the expectations become higher. Based right. Off where players draft. Absolutely. So that's my fault. Our fault for for not having that information, uh, you know, right. I mean, you're talking about 75 years of 
players <laughs> on this roster. I mean, it's impossible. Well, not impossible, but I don't have the time to memorize yeah. everything about everyone. And I would love, I wish I had that time, but I don't. You know who you know who's really good at stuff like that? It's Tony. Yeah. That's why he we call him the GM of the team. Right. It just sticks in his brain. <laughs> and he spits it out like it's water, bro. Like it just yeah. comes out. All right, let's let's keep it moving. This one's on you. Uh, so always faithful 24-7. Let's go 49ers says. And who do you think was better? Wait, 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 wait. My bad, my bad. I skipped it. It was supposed to be this one first. Okay. Okay, guys, you've talked about Rice getting help out. <clears throat> excuse me, helped out by Taylor. But what do you think, or what did you think about the time with J.J. Stokes and T.O.? Kind of the same. That's what I was kind of alluding to. Um, he was kind of overshadowed a bit. I'm not – I don't know if Mooch just didn't use him as much or used him correctly or whatever, but he was definitely overshadowed by T.O.'s abilities, you know. And, you know, now that we've learned that he was a 10th and you look at T.O., who would I think he was a third rounder, right? Wasn't T.O. in the third round or something like that? I mean, he, you was, would, he, was, he was later than his career would have suggested for sure. Right. You you would have expected that, it, that they would have played differently depth-wise on this roster, but that's not how it panned out because T.O. was superior. Absolutely. And then he follows it up with, and who do you think was better at running our offense, Fangio or Shanahan? And I was confused because Fangio was our defensive coordinator. Right. Um, now, when Fangio left and went to Denver, what offense – let me see who Fangio's – uh offensive coordinator was because uh i don't think it was the same i don't think it was a shanahan style offense uh fangio let me see here oh no i'm gonna pull this up on the fly so you guys have to bear with me uh he went to the broncos in 2019 and uh who did he have as his offensive coordinator? so let me look up broncos 2019. I mean, either way, the offense was run better by Shanahan. Yeah. I mean, I I, I probably don't need to go into this kind of depth for it, but uh, here we go. Head coach was Vic Fangio. Offensive coordinator was Rich Gangarello. I'm I'm gonna say, and that's not the same offense. Uh, Rich well, Gangarello. Uh, yeah, never mind. Because Rich Gangarello, he was he was here. Uh, Rich Gangarello was with the 49ers um, with Shanahan. So I'm going to say that we ran it better because if he was that good, he wouldn't have left the following year and went to Philly. So I'm going to say Shanahan ran it much better. And I will agree with that. All right. Uh, here you go. And my name's in here, so it makes sense that you read it. Oh, damn, you in here too. <clears throat> Mine's in there too, yep. Uh, <clears throat> who are the 49ers' f five most important players on defense? Mike, what are you? What are your go-to wings on game day? And Brian, what is your go-to meal on game day? So start at the top, I guess. All right. So uh, I got a little cheat here. I had some time to uh, come up with this because I answered this earlier today um, during one of the lives. So I, my, I, to me, my five most important players on defense are going to be Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Jimmy Ward, Fred Warner, and. Uh, uh, I got Bosa, Armstead, Warner. Oh, and Jason Verrett. There you go. Jason yep. Verrett. Those are my five. And believe it or not, only one of those guys made this because of production. And that's Nick Bosa. Everybody else, I think, is a, a leader and a communicator, um, a more of a teacher 
on the field and in, in the training, in the, in, the, in the study rooms and things like that. Nick Bosa, I'm not saying he's not a teacher in, in, or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that his production makes him one of the most important players right. on the team. So I, mean, I just want to be clear here. Yeah, and I'm I'm in agreement with you. Um, I might waffle a bit with Armstead. I understand like the thought process of him being a vocal piece for this unit and making sure that people are where they are because he's kind of he's the longest tenured guy. Um, and so I'm kind of on the fence between actually three of them because I I really think that Kinlaw is going to have a monster year, but I don't want to take anything away from the stops that Greenlaw has brought to this second to this team. Um, so I would say I would put. For me personally, I would put Greenlaw over Armstead just because of his his abilities that what he's shown on the field. And I and I, I actually had to explain why I said Armstead uh, is because of his his value at edge and defensive right. tackle, and how he can help you know people learn to be in the right position and what to look for because of his his mind in both of both of those situations. So that's exactly uh, why I did it. Um, Oh, there's more to answer here. Right, My right. go-to wings on game day. So bone in, I have fallen in love with this. Uh, it's it's called hot honey. It's like buffalo with honey, mm-hmm. and this is a flavor that I discovered just this past season. And I right now that's the itch I can't I can't scratch enough. So that's uh, like the heat with sweet. But the the honey is so 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 okay. Did I tell you I tasted honey for the first time not too long ago? <laughs> no. Okay, so I've always had honey flavored tea and cough drops and stuff like that. So I'm familiar with the honey flavor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but my dog has really bad allergies, and we were talking to a bunch of people about home remedies, and I buy these really expensive two hundred something dollars a month on his allergy pills because of his weight, how many he has to get per day, and stuff like that. And they're over they're over two dollars and fifty cents a pill. So I pay all this money for this stuff. And I was talking to people, and they said if you can find local honey. From the area that you live in, put a little bit of it in, in the dog food. And if you're a person with bad allergies, it works for you also. And uh, in, in a cup of tea, what you're doing is because the bees pollinate in the local area, you're right. getting all of the stuff that you're allergic to and you're building up an immunity or right. a resistance or whatever towards it. Um, so I did that for the dog. And when I, you know, when you pour honey, it just, it just strings. So when I went to stop it, I kind of did the scoop thing and there was a little bit on the edge. And for the first time in my life, I actually wiped it and I looked at it. I was like, I'm going to wash this off. I said, you know, it's just honey. I'm going to actually taste it. My first time in my entire life ever tasting just straight honey. I did it. And it's not as sweet as I thought it was. You know, there's so many of these, like you, you see like um, the artificial flavors and the syrups Mm -hmm. and they're just extremely sweet. And I always thought that's what honey tasted like. And I was wrong. So it's not, it's not super sweet. It does give it a nice little glaze sweetness right. to it, but it's not really sweet. So it, it, it's a nice, it's a pleasant surprise. I like it. Yeah. If you get the chance, you know, they, when you can use, like at a farmer's market, you can usually get like mm-hmm. the actual honeycomb and you can just eat that. I don't know if I'm brave enough to do that yet <laughs> <laughs> because I've seen some honeycombs. They still got the little sacks in there from the beehives. Like yeah, inside protein. <laughs> I almost said something really inappropriate, and I'm going to blame it on this. However, <laughs> I haven't had enough of this to to say it, so that's that's pretty cool that I curved myself. Yeah, All right. you stop yourself. <laughs> yeah. So, what's your go-to meal on? Game um, Day? You know, like I said, I think I talked about it a couple of shows ago. Actually, uh, two shows ago, I think. But anyway, um, I don't really have a go-to meal. Uh, I tend to get 
a little amped and nervous when they, when it's game time. Um, so, but more often than not, it'll be like nachos or something like that. Just something super easy. I can throw a bag of, you know, warm up some uh, melted cheese and, and then, you know, or, or melt some Velveeta or something like that. And then just take some chips and, you know, I can sit there and just pick at it while the game's going on. All right. I like that. We're going to phone a friend for the next question. I believe it's on me to read it. So uh, let me, oh, sorry. Let me get the uh, banner. Let me get the comment off of the screen first before I do that. And boom, that's that. All right. So this one is Led Zeppelin or The Who. And I'm just going to say Led Zeppelin, uh, but only because I'm not familiar with both of the catalogs in enough depth to give you a true answer. I feel like Brian's going to knock this out the park, though. <laughs> um, I myself am a huge Led Zeppelin fan. I just, when I was younger, I just couldn't get into the who. I mean, I watched like Tommy and the pinball wizard and all the crazy stuff that the who, I don't, I'll take nothing from them. Their movement within the, um, the, the Euro movement or whatever. When you look at all the English bands with the Rolling Stones and the who and Led Zeppelin and, and their effects on music overall is just amazing. You know, the amount of impact that the who had on, you know, other musicians that came after them is ridiculous. But I think the catalog for me of Led Zeppelin is just more, uh, I don't, I don't want to say dynamic. It's, it's just, it was a bigger scope, it seemed like. You know, I mean, you can listen to, you know, if you watch CSI, any of them, the opening song by, from, because Jerry Brockheimer apparently was a huge Who fan. So, like, all those songs are all from the Who. Um, but I just personally, I personally would prefer to listen to Stairway or, you know, um, the levees or something like that something other you know i just like the the music that zeppelin put out i like their thought process they got songs that go back you know fire and ice they're talking about lord of the rings and weird stuff like that in their songs that people wouldn't pick out unless you wow. sit down and listen to it yeah that's good stuff right there that's good stuff so yeah and I, like i said i knew you would knock that out the park <laughs> dj alone with the food questions he's always trying to candy something or fry something all right but here we go oh wait this is on this is on you Okay, DJ Malone. All right. Would candied pineapple and coconut-flavored ice cream pair well together? Who are your guys' top five wide receivers list for the 49ers? Um, favorite G.I. Joe character? And are you guys hoping Rogers opts out? So I can take this. Um, I liked – I've had candied pineapple and um, coconut ice cream when I was in Hawaii. Um it's it's not bad. I mean, it's not something I would go after time and time again. I prefer macadamia nut ice cream if I'm going to do something like that. Um, just because I like the, the crunchy texture of the macadamia nuts versus the chewiness of the pineapple. If you can get, when you go to Hawaii, if you can get pineapple straight from the plantation, it's amazing. You know, it's not like what you get in the States. Um, and I don't know if you want to address the five receivers. I mean, we've talked about our rosters. Yeah. Um, I, I believe he's saying for the 49ers all time. Oh, okay. I think that's what he's saying here. Um, uh, so the pineapple and coconut thing, I think if you're Hispanic, you would love that. And I'm not trying to be rude, but all of my Hispanic friends love pineapple and they love coconut. I think the combination together probably would be phenomenal for them. Personally, I'm not big on coconut. Uh, I don't mind pineapple on certain things, um, but coconut, I don't really care for, except for... The frozen ices, the white ones, mm. apparently they're coconut flavored. They yeah, taste nothing like coconut to me, but they are really good. The white ices are my favorite ones next to the pink ones 
and then the blue ones. So, all right, so that's that. Um, if I had to come up with the top five wide receivers for the Niners, I'm assuming he means all time. You're going to go Jerry Rice. I'm going to go Taylor. I'm going to go to, oh, T.O. I'm sorry. Do you, I don't know if you want them in order. I'm not going to do them in order because I'm listening. I'm just I'm seeing if I dis- disagree. So far, yeah. you nailed mine. I think T.O. would be second if, if we had to put them in order, but I'm not doing that. Um, fourth, 49ers wide receivers. Uh, do they have to have played their entire career here? No, I'm thinking anybody who was a 49er. I mean, like Bolden. Brandon Lloyd. I'm going to do Brandon Lloyd and actually Anquan Bolden. Yeah, those are my last two. Yeah, I'm going to say i definitely go with Bolden. Um, but I think I'm going to go with Ayuk. I think he's going to be one of my top guys. I'm just hoping forward that he has the career that I expect him to have. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, favorite G.I. Joe characters? Uh, I'm going to go with Snake Eyes right now just because he's the guy getting his own his own spinoff and everything. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with him for now. Uh, I like the silent assassin. You, we, we, someone asked a question, um, about, you know, Vegeta or your favorite Dragon Ball Z characters. And I said it, uh, Vegeta and Piccolo are just all about action. I don't want to talk. I just want to fight. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm good at. I'm not trying to, you know, you want to talk, go be a politician. And I kind of feel the same way about snake eyes. I know about his vow of silence and stuff like that, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with that. Um, Who's your favorite G.I. Joe character? So, I mean, G.I. Joes were huge. Like, 1985 was, like, the year of G.I. Joe for me. And it was just – I have always – I've had three – I always had three favorites. They always – if I was going to go out and play with my friends, I, those guys were always coming with me to go, you know, whatever. So, Snake Eyes was one of them. Shipwreck was the other. And and he is by far my favorite, Shipwreck, just because of his attitude on the cartoon and the fact that later I became in the Navy and all those kind of things. But my third one – was uh, Footloose because he reminded me of missing in action movies with Chuck Norris. And so th- those were my three guys that I had with me. But Shipwreck was by far my my most favorite. I and, like it. Oh, go ahead. No, no, you got the Rodgers thing. Good. So are we hoping that Rodgers opts out? I don't necessarily hope that Rodgers opts out, but I think that that's what's going to happen because I think he's going to stand by, you know, I think that at this juncture, if he decides to come back and play, it's going to say a lot about his fortitude on whether or not he is willing to. <laughs> My son just came out here. Hello. Hold what? on. Wait, let me, let me blow you up. Hold on. Hold on. Solo. And these are like the original 85s. Uh, you can't oh, see it the, the green screen. screen. So this is like those. snake eyes and shipwreck and footloose. Yep. So my son's All still right. playing. Those are the guys that still got the rubber bands inside of them. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, my my mom saved all that stuff when I went to the Navy, and then she gave it back to me, and I handed it down to the kids. But uh, I expect that Rogers won't be back. I think part of it because he doesn't want to be like the guy who uh, said he was going to do something and then doesn't follow through. Um, I think there's plenty of opportunities out there for him to make money. So losing money off his contract's not going to be something that precludes him from coming back. Um, but I won't say that I'm hoping because I like the NFL to be competitive. And if, you know, you're going to go up against a team, you need to go up against the best team that's available. And Rodgers with the Green Bay Packers is far superior to Jordan and the Green Bay Packers as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna say no, I do not hope he, he uh, opts out. Now, I'm saying that as uh, the last part of your answer, you want to go up against the best teams possible. You know, uh, I always think back to that, um, the 2019 season. Right. And the Niners started three, and zero, 
but that third game was the home game against the Steelers. And I, I'm going to say something that I probably shouldn't say. And I don't know if we would have been, I don't know if the game would have been the same way, but if Ben Roethlisberger was healthy that game, we get destroyed with the turnovers that we had on offense. Right. We get completely annihilated. And those moments, although they would be bad, we probably would have ended up losing. They can help a team or destroy a team. And it would have shown us a better idea and picture of what this team actually is. So you don't go forward with false impressions of teams, you know, and then of your roster. Uh, we showed a lot of gut and fortitude to overcome that game. Uh, but, you know, going into week three, again, when our first home game this year, you want to be going up against the 13-3 and three Packers from last season and, and see what your team can do against them because you want the true measuring stick. Right. You know, here we are. If we go out there and Rodgers is in there and we stomp th- that those guys like we did the last two times we played them fully healthy, then it's like, hey, we're a legit team and the NFL is on watch. Plus, a game like that could do a lot for either Jimmy – and his confidence going forward, or Trey, I don't know who's going to be in there, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like yeah. that that does a lot for whoever that quarterback is going to be at that time if they have to outduel that for, that that Packers offense with Aaron Rodgers under center. Right. So, right. you know, I, I think I think it has more weight if Aaron Rodgers is in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I agree. All right, uh, we're going to go back to the, uh, the. By the way, these questions, these questions that come up like this are all from Nick Cork. Um, it's really early where he is. I believe it's like 5 a.m., so he's not watching these live. Um, and he asks, our all-time favorite 49er. Uh, and I've answered this several times, but Jerry Rice is my all-time favorite 49er. Bryant Young is my all-time favorite 49er. All right. Uh, let's see here. Let's get back. Uh, the next question is something about Gold Bar Whiskey. There we go. Has Gold Bar sent the crew bottles for the first game yet? They have not sent them out yet. I can tell you guys that now, but they are coming. We are partnered with Gold Bar. They love our show. They love what we do on Instagram. They love what we do on YouTube, and they will be sending them out. Brian, have you have you got the bottles of Gold Bar yet? No, I was writing. When I was writing, it was after you guys have already did the, the uh, agreement. Okay, I don't know if you're a whiskey guy, but you'll be getting some this season. I'll but, shoot shots with you guys. Hell yeah. They – um. That we, we did a jersey giveaway uh, following the draft. They had a big thing going on there for the draft and all. And they did a, a Trey Lance jersey giveaway and all on Instagram. So they run competitions. If you guys are not following us on Instagram, you have to get over there. There is different content over there. I promise you guys that. All right. Um, let's keep it moving here. He said, I meant brothers in the family, linebacker and O-line. He, he, all right. I like that. Uh, here's a question. You want to read this one? Sure. Snacks. What happened to What happened to Nick? Haven't seen him in a while. So we've discussed Nick. He's on a uh, crazy work schedule right now for what he's doing. He's got to get up really early in the morning for one job, and he's actually working two separate jobs. And then he stays. He's not getting off until late for the second job. Um, so right now it's basically you know we're holding on the fort until you know everybody can get back together. But it's uh, summertime and people are working. Absolutely. Getting off of one job at 11 and having to be up at four for the next one. I mean, you're not giving yourself much sleep there. So, Uh, but Nick will be back. I did actually talk to him today. He's doing well. Uh, And he sends his regards to the faithful out there. Um, And we have one more. Boom. 
And this one is also from Nick. It says Public Enemy or NWA. I absolutely hate this question. Yes. I love Public Enemy. But NWA is such a pivotal 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 moment. Yeah, whatever. Pivot <laughs> uh, moment in music history with how they, you know, came out and did their their thing and they pulled no punches you know they were going to do it whether the districts or cities that they were going to wanted them there or not and they were just going to do their thing and you know so it, that's really hard for me because i really love public enemy but i i'm going to go with nwa on that one yeah i'm going to go with nwa because of the movement their their music and all and and, and both of them were movements don't get me wrong but uh nwa was a, a um a a rap defining it was like following. a huge turning point you know it was like yes yeah yeah yeah. That's the it. things that we could get away with putting on a compact disc or a cassette changed you know i know that we've had people or artists go out and do similar type things but not at that not like that you know so to me yeah it's got a turning point you're absolutely right it was that was the uh, uh major turning point very good very good uh terrell cox asked uh, do you guys ever listen to Haberman and Middlecoff? And if so, um, and if y'all do, think there'll be a chance for y'all to do a collab collaboration. Um, I have heard some of their stuff. And, I, okay, moment of honesty, and we're almost a half an hour, so this is probably going to be the last one. Um, they have such a cult following that it almost turns me off to listen to them. I know that if one of them say something on that show, people think it's biblical, and it turns my stomach to be to follow someone that blindly. It's okay to support a show blindly, right? But you don't have to agree with every single take. And they have so many people that do that, it kind of turns me off from them. It's no fault of their own. They're really good at what they do. Uh, but yes, there is a possibility for us to collab. And I'll do this one next, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, guys, who did Roger Craig get drafted to block for? You remember he was fullback slash running back. Off the top of my head, I can't tell you. Oh, man. I don't know either, but we're not leaving here without an answer. So. <laughs> I'm going to go find the answer. <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to look this up here. Uh, so Roger Craig, bleh, Roger Craig uh, was drafted in 19, oof, 1982. Where'd it go? Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, here we go. Roger Craig was drafted by the 49ers in 1983, the year I was born. Okay, so the 49ers in 83, let's look up the 1983 Ross, 49ers, Ross. and then we can tell you who their running backs were. It wasn't OJ, was it? 1983 no. 49ers roster. He had to be gone by then. All right. 49ers running backs were Wendell Tyler. That's who it was. It was Wendell Tyler. And Roger Craig was the fullback, the rookie huh. fullback. Yeah, I would have never. I don't even know that guy's that person's name. I apologize Niner, to you. <laughs> no, it's all right. Niner Rick asked some really good questions tonight about the 49ers history, so I appreciate that. Guys, keep the questions coming. We're going to continue to answer them as honestly as possible. Um, and as long as we don't offend anyone, you know, that's that's what I'm hoping for. So that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. We're out of here. Brian, thanks for rocking out with you, man. Always. I appreciate it. Mahalo.
There it is.